Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. from our new night, Wednesday night. Well, actually, our old night. We're back. We're back to Wednesdays for the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. My name is Derek Diamond. And we have our monthly community spotlight tonight. Uh, And we have with us the fact checker to the fact checker, Mr. Tyler Watson. Hey-o. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, Like I said, about a hour ago because i got my second covid shot yesterday so now i'm starting to feel chills lightheaded aches i'm like all right this is gonna be a fun show let's do this man (laughs) yeah the best time to do a show i uh i get my second shot next monday this coming up monday and i'm kind of dreading it honestly i get uh because I had some, n- not bad reactions to the first one, but I definitely had, like, a very sore arm for about three days, which spread into my, like, my, uh, my, like, my shoulder area, my, my collarbone felt like it was on fire, and then I slept for, like, 13 and a half hours one night, so it was interesting, so I'm waiting to see what the next one has in store for me. Yeah, I'm getting my first shot tomorrow, so... I get my first venture into into the vaccine. You know what you're getting? Are you getting Moderna or Pfizer? Pfizer? The P Pfizer. The the Pfizer. Pfizer. <laughs> yep, so look, looking looking forward to that though. I mean, they just became available here in Florida. So as soon as you know the eligibility signed up, I was like sign me up and I got the earliest time that I could. Awesome. So Tyler Tyler has Yo. one of the uh, the the uh, has the dream video game collection. Uh, I have seen a couple of times, and uh, it's huge. It's humongous. Like, look, look at that. That's just one corner of his room. That's my uh, that's my transformer shelf. Yeah, and back there's there's a cardboard cutout of of Thor from the the first movie, and I've got a uh, we've got a pair of Haunted Mansion Mickey ears on him because my theory is that. Of all the MCU characters, Thor would be the one to most embrace his Disney-ness. Probably, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> but uh, one thing I wanted to ask, like, when did you start col- collecting? Or was it, was it just kind of one of those things like you just started playing video games when you were young and just kept buying stuff? A little from column A, a little from column B. Like, I got my NES for Christmas of 1990 when I was five. And I just kind of fell in love with games then and just kind of got them where I could. And as I got older and got money, I was like, all right, I'll just buy what I want at this point. And I lost the majority of the stuff that I had after I moved out of my mom's house in the early 2000s. And then about 2012, 2011, somewhere in there, I was like, you know what? I want to play an NES again. And that was just kind of it. 
That's fantastic. How much would you say that you've spent on retro gaming stuff in the last <laughs> eight years, eight, nine years? That's a loaded question, and I don't think I want to freely answer that. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten, I've got, I've definitely paid um, market value and above for some things. And there's some things I've gotten, I've gotten deals on. There was um, one Saturday I went to go hang out with a friend of mine that I'd made from one of the local buy sell trade groups, mm-hmm. and we're like, let's go hit up a couple of flea mart, uh, not flea marts, a couple of yard sales. Let's just see what we can find. We go to we go to Pascagoula. We find this one guy. And he's like, yeah, we go and we dig through his stuff, and there's just mountains of NES, Genesis, Super Nintendo, Sega CD, Sega Saturn. He had a complete in box Atari Jaguar. There's there's um you know box Japanese N64 games, and the guy knew what he had. He's like, yeah, I know what this is worth. He said, but I'm moving soon. I don't want to take it with me. And we 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 raided that place. Like okay. I spent sixty, I spent sixty dollars, and I think it's worth what just what I got from that one day is probably worth a couple of thousand. Wow, that's like the I dream. got a copy. That's the dream. I got a copy. <laughs> got a copy of Lords of Thunder for for Sega CD as part of that that bundle. So if, as much as I got for sixty bucks, I probably paid three or four dollars for it, and that's a. Uh, Almost a three hundred and fifty dollar game now. Wow, that's insane! Fun <laughs> game too, real fun, worth every dime. That's the dream is to hit a, a yard sale where somebody's like, "Look, I know what this stuff is worth," and there's a bunch of stuff, and they're just like, "I just need to get rid of it." And I would literally just be like, "Look, I'll give you two hundred bucks to just take all of it." And they're like, "Okay, that's that's the dream." <laughs> <laughs> How the, the guy can was you get with the money he, out of your wallet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We oh, I, I literally I had to make a run to the to the bank, and I was like, all right. And I told my wife, I was like, look, I'm getting a little bit extra out of the bank. The guy was going to pay me back, and he did. Took a little bit, but he paid me back. And I was like, he's just like, okay. And we just went and we spent all that money on it. I think he he paid probably about ninety bucks for his lot, and I think he sold that box Jaguar for. For about two fifty, three hundred. Nice little profit. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Me and me being the hoarder, I probably would have held on to it, but that's just <laughs> me. I have those those bad tendencies. Same as here. Evidence. I don't sell anything either when it comes to to my retro gaming stuff. I mean, I still have my Atari from nineteen eighty three, so I don't get rid of anything. I, I've been bad about that in the past. Like I, I sold my uh, GameCube. Like, around the mid-2000s, like around 2005, is when I got to the point where I started selling stuff. Like, my newer consoles, like my original Xbox and my, my GameCube, and I, I'd kick myself now for, for doing that. Because at the time, I was like, ah, we're, you know, we're, I'm never going to play this stuff again. And luckily, I didn't get stupid and, like, get rid of my NES and Super Nintendo and all that kind of stuff. We all get like that. I mean, uh, I sold my NES edition Game Boy Advance SP a few years back just because it was a bill that had to be paid. So yeah. you get sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll buy that back. And I'm like, that's now ninety dollars by itself, and it's not the backlit Game Boy. And I'm like, you know what? Nah, I'll be I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a few DS games that I've that I was like, hey, I've played this. I've beaten it. 
I, I'm probably not going to play this again. Let me turn it into GameStop, you know, for 15 bucks. And now I'm there's a few games I've been eyeballing on eBay that are those exact same games. And now it's eighty dollars if you want it. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah, GameStop it made a few uh, a good bit of profit off of me in the mid 2000s. So damn you, GameStop. <laughs> same here. Yeah. Same here. You you walk in with your arm full of of games and they're like shark smelling blood in the yeah. water. <laughs> I had I remember one time I went in there with a bunch of Xbox games, like original Xbox, and I think I remember I mu- it must have been like ten or twelve games. I think I got like twenty bucks for the whole thing. I'm like, uh, if I could go back in time and just stop myself. From doing this that's not surprising thing. at all yeah that's not surprising at all but, but tyler is a huge part of our community which is our uh we talk about our community a lot the discord community that we have and uh tyler's over there been there since the beginning i think or close to the beginning and uh yeah and you are the fact checker to the fact checker. So we need you. We need you in that room. So. <laughs> it's funny because we have so many fact checkers, yet we still get a ton of stuff wrong. Yeah. Because it, I mean, I've always said never let facts get in the way of a good story. So what did we get wrong last week that that Wally hit us over on Twitter? Let me let me go to the Twitter machine and see what Wally corrected us on last week. I listened. I listened to the episode a couple of days ago, and I caught something. And now for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. Hmm. The only thing I've seen on Twitter is you guys fighting over Easter candy. Yeah, oh, that's, that's fun. That's been a big one the last couple of days because we we'll have to get Wally on the uh, on the uh, the show because we we had a big fight the last few days over what's better, hollow chocolate bunnies or solid chocolate bunnies. Personally, I like the the hollow chocolate bunnies because they got the candy eyes. It's a better quality chocolate. You know, you can sit there and just break off pieces of it and eat it. The cho- the solid chocolate bunnies are the Easter candy that I would always be disappointed over, and I would maybe eat the ears off of it, and then it would just sit in the candy bowl until Mom eventually threw it away like four or five years later. Be like, are you going to eat this? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm throwing it away. Okay. I remember when I was a kid, I would get the hollow uh, the hollow chocolate bunny every year for easter it's like a low and the the solid one is a lower quality chocolate it's not as good as the hollow bunny you may get less chocolate but it's a higher quality chocolate i honestly couldn't tell you the last time i've had either yeah i mean i haven't had one in like 30 years but i remember i even to this day i could tell just by looking at the chocolate bunnies that i would prefer that (laughs) hollow bunny over the solid bunny as it is We'll have to make a note of this, and this time next year on the show when it's Easter, yeah, we should just <laughs> gorge on. Not that people would want to watch us eat, but actually, let's just do it on the show. We'll have Wally on the show. We'll we'll go. We'll all of us will will go buy a solid Easter bunny and a cho- and a hollow Easter bunny. We'll eat them on the air, and we'll see which one is better. You know what's going to happen? You're going to say that hollow's better. Wally's going to say that solid's better. And I'm going to say I like both. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he said uh, that all your base are belong to us meme is from Zero when That's not it. Metal Gear. That was the one. I could have sworn that that was from Metal Gear. Yeah, Zero Wing was a 
was a uh, shooter game for the Genesis that never got released here. The only translation it got was in Europe, and it was got a very uh, broken English translation. So that's how you got, you know, someone set up us the bomb, and all your base are belong to us. Well, Metal Gear had really bad translations, too. That's oh, why the original I, one was terrible. Like, I feel asleep. Yeah, I do feel you, asleep. Do you really feel asleep? <laughs> that was the big one to me. Uh, I, they show that. I see that all the time. I feel asleep. Like, oh, okay. That's not good translation. That first Metal Gear is, is terrible. If you're playing the NES version, I've heard the, the MSX computer version, the original, is much better, but I don't have access to that, nor do I have the... Uh, the Metal Gear collection they put out on the PS3 that has the MSX version on it, so the NES is the only one that I've got. Well, one of these days I'm going to go back and review Metal Gear, but it's going to be a while because, like I said, I hate stealth games, and I imagine stealth on the NES is probably atrocious. (laughs) It just sounds brutal. It sounds like not a good time at all. No. 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 But um, at all. we got a few news stories to get to and talk over. Would you guys like to go to the news? Sure. Let's do it to it. This is an email to us from I Am The Rampage, or Scooter, as he is now known. Uh, Scooter McGee. Scooter McGee. Scooter McGavin. <laughs> on, on Polygon.com. Rare Super Mario Brothers. We actually talked about this last week. Um, it went that Super Mario Brothers cartridge complete in box sold for six hundred and sixty thousand dollars, the highest price ever for a video game. Um, it is the highest price video game collectible ever. Uh, the previous holder was the prototype Nintendo PlayStation, which sold through Heritage, Auc- Heritage Auctions in twenty twenty for three hundred sixty thousand dollars. Um, the previous record holder for a video game, a copy of Super Mario Brothers three. That sold for $156,000 in November of 2020. Um, this was uh, factory sealed, rated 9.6 by WADA, um, and it still had its retail hang tab, um, does not have a trademark symbol, and is part of an extremely low print run. Um, and from what I read earlier, I think this was like the fourth, uh, fourth printing of this title. Um, and I... and it is a lot of money for one game. What could I could do a lot do? more with that money. Yeah, I was about to say that's... the same thing. What could you do with 660 grand? I mean, is this really worth that much money? Because there's got to be dozens of these out in the wild that are still in this good a shape. I mean, I mean, I think it's <sighs> It's the it's the collector's market. Things are only worth what people are willing to pay for it. But I think when you have something like this, you see this go for this amount of money, there's going to be people out there that'll be like, "Hey, I got one of those," you know, or you know, somebody found a bunch of these in some warehouse when a you know a Kmart shut down back in the '90s or something. You know, it's kind of like there's got to be more than like a couple of these. There's got to be dozens if not hundreds of these out in the wild rampage still, in the pat in the but, chat room <laughs> but still if somebody's willing to pay that much 
I think I say the bad part is that it it's gonna it's gonna empower all the people to think that their their trash mobs are worth solid gold, yeah. and they ignore all the other qualifiers involved with why this one went for so much. Yeah, yeah. I I think this is gonna be uh they're they're gonna have buyer's remorse over this because I mean this is over a half a million dollars for something that I think is not as rare as they say it is. I don't think this is it, this is not a you know Superman number one. This is not you know first appearance of Batman or even or Spider Man. This is a video game made in the eighties. There were millions of these made and printed. There's got to be some in this shape that are still around. Just nobody knows that it's worth this much, and then you're going to get the market flooded. That's that's my prediction. Is the market's going to get flooded? with these pretty soon. And like you said, but, the people that have crap and think it's going to be worth, you know, like the pr- people are going to be trying to sell, you know, loose super Mario brothers carts for 20, 30, 40 bucks now. And they're, they're worth like three. Well, I think the, the thing too, that surprises me and I, I figured something eventually would break the price that the Nintendo PlayStation set. We figured it all would happen eventually, but, I'm surprised that it was for a copy of Super Mario Brothers. Like you said, and I think you're right, I think this isn't as rare as people think it is. You know, I thought it might be you know, some other type of rare game, but the fact that it's Super Mario Brothers and it's got little details or whatever that seem like it's unique. But again, it's if somebody's going to throw down that type of cash for it, it's going to set a trend. Yeah, I would love to just sit mm-hmm. in the auction room while this is going on, like not to bid, but just to watch people throw insane amounts of cash for yeah. this thing. I think I think this is gonna have the same. This is basically what comic books went through in the '90s, and it it's a bubble and it's gonna burst. Just the uh, question is when, when something breaks a million, is it gonna then burst? I, I don't know. We'll see. Hoping it soon so it drops some of these prices yeah, down. No kidding. I'm ready yeah. to go back and buy five dollar <laughs> Nintendo games again. I remember walking into a game exchange in Pascagoula in two thousand four, talking with just hanging out there, just I would just go just hang out and talk with the guy who worked there, but buying the original Mega Man loose for five bucks and you know yeah. ten years ago i'm like man i'm gonna go buy mega man again that that was i paid five bucks for that not too long ago and then by then it was already 50 and i was yeah. like no nah, we're not gonna do that either <laughs> yeah mixed masters yeah. in the chat room too what's up guys yeah at rampage said his broken nes is worth eighty thousand dollars yeah <laughs> i wish <laughs> uh if only but our next story is an email from Armez Jackson and comes to us from RetroDodo.com. Infinity Game Boy Color game releases after 20 years of development. One of the things that excites the Retro Dodo team the most is new games for our favorite retro consoles, which is why this Infinity Game Boy Color release has us feeling like Christmas came early. After 20 years in development, it is finally coming to the Game Boy Color. Now, I want to say we talked about this we uh, did. a while back on the show. Sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah, yeah. It it has a little bit of like a, a like almost like a link to the past mm-hmm. or like early Legend of Zelda type of feel to it. And it's got a, a couple of screen caps here on the article, but you can look at it and you'll instantly be reminded of of Legend of Zelda. 
I would love to get a copy of this because the, these are games that are right up my alley. And it's just so fascinating to me that, you know, the, the retro gaming community is so popular that this game, after 20 years of being dormant, essentially, is available. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. It says their uh, Kickstarter campaign is going to launch in June and uh, mm -hmm. they will release uh, quarter one of 2022. So somewhere between January and March, they're going to be releasing this thing. I got to get a copy of it. Yeah, I think so. Even though I don't have a Game Boy Color, I still I just want to be able to buy a new uh, like retro Nintendo game. Wonder if it comes with the old booklet too. Probably. Looks like it. Uh, they got a few they got a lot of pics in this article. So if you go to retrododo.com, you can see a lot of pics of the game. It looks a lot like a uh like a Final Fantasy type of game. Yeah. There's also a a, a teaser video on yeah. the article as well. So if you want to see some video, you can check that out too. It warms my heart. <laughs> right. Uh, another email from I Am The Rampage, Metroid Prime 2D Demo was released. This is on RetroRGB.com. A team of people have been working on a 2D version of the GameCube game Metroid Prime. A beta version is available that lets you get a few items as well as get a sense of what the game is like. Uh, there's a direct download link here uh, so you can actually get the game. Uh, let's see. The game uh, was tested to run on Windows 10. 64-bit, which is how the person who wrote this article ran it, um, people have mixed results running it on other operating systems. It can run full screen or in a windowed resolution. That's about what you'd expect from widescreen 240p. Um, the uh, seem to scale well on the laptop's 1080p screen as well as when connected to a 4K TV. Um, Let's see. Game itself was awesome. Graphics and sound were top-notch, and it played like an official Metroid 2D title. The demo is big enough to get some upgrades, uh, and there's at least one boss, however, due to the controls. Um, stopped about halfway through the demo. Uh, must be some issues with the, uh, the controls for it. This sounds really cool. I don't know if I would uh, do the beta, but and I don't know how they're going to release this, but maybe Nintendo will come and knock it and be like, hey, can we buy this from you and polish it up? And Nintendo's going to come and knock it and say, shut this down right yeah. now. <laughs> yep. You might want yeah. to get on the beta because that's about probably all you're going to be able to play of it. Yeah. Uh, I think Nintendo's going to put the kibosh on this because they're, they're like Disney. When you do something with their property, they come stomping. Three words, ceased and desist. Yeah, I mean, you saw the uh, the artwork I did with the uh, the for the Nerd Cave Retro, um, the old NES black box artwork I did for the show, which I didn't think Nintendo would come a knocking, but they did. It made uh, made me take it down. So I saw that. Whoo! Don't like that. And that's just for old artwork, like old eighties black box artwork. They you know they put they shut it down. That makes me want to use it as our show logo even more now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as someone who's a fan of the Metroid Prime game, and I, I'm one that, you know, I'm not a Metroid purist in the sense that you know there were a lot of people upset when this was a first-person shooter. I personally liked it that way. I thought it added a cool new dynamic to the Metroid franchise, but you know, in a perfect world, would I love to play Metroid Prime in 2D? Sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'll play anything Metroid at this point. Just give me something, <laughs> Metroid. <laughs> anything. I'll take it. It's okay. We'll get Metroid Prime 4 in 2023. Yeah, I'll be dead by then. <laughs> well, don't, don't say that. <laughs> You're going to get that in a new F-Zero in the same year. Yeah, exactly. I, I'll believe it when I see it. When I'm playing it, I'll be like, oh, Nintendo released a Metroid game. Nice. <laughs> One day, one day day it'll happen. But this last story, and it made me so happy when uh, I saw this posted in in the Discord. Uh, From ArsTechnica.com, 99 Pac-Man enter, one Pac-Man leaves. (laughs) In new Switch freebie, Pac-Man 99. We've talked about Tetris 99, Mario Brothers 35, those types of games. Well, Pac-Man is getting that treatment now. Uh, Nintendo Switch continues its streak of retro Battle Royale video games this week by asking a remarkably weird question. What would Pac-Man be like if 99 people played the game at the same time and only one pellet muncher emerged victorious? The new game, creatively titled Pac-Man 99, arrives on the evening of Wednesday, April 7th, so we can all play this after we're done with the show, Uh as a free download for paying subscribers to the Nintendo Switch online service. Its resemblance to 2019's Tetris 99 and 2020 Super Mario 35 is no accident since it's been designed with the same Nintendo Wear Basil engine used in those other games. I watched some gameplay of it. I think it looks like a load of fun, and oh, I can't yeah. wait. I cannot wait. I'm downloading this tonight. I'm so Absolutely. down for this because I love Pac-Man. Pac-Man Championship Edition is still one of my favorite versions of Pac-Man. So yes. if they have anything close to like a Pac-Man uh, Championship Edition style game in here, I'm going to be in heaven. Oh, that'll definitely probably be one of the skins for it. Just like they have with Tetris 99. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you a Championship Edition skin's coming. I wish they would release the Championship Edition, the original Championship Edition for uh, the Switch. I don't know why they have it. There is. There is. It's a compilation. It's a compilation. Um, my wife bought a Namco collection on the Switch uh, about a couple months ago. Pac-Man Championship Edition, I think, 1 and 2, I think, are on it, along with, like, <sighs> Dig Dug and original Pac-Man and Galaga and all that good stuff. I need it in my life because I, I downloaded Championship Edition 2 for the Switch when it came out, but I, it was not nearly as good as the first Championship Edition. The first one is, it's like crack. It's so good. I'll agree to that. Yeah, the first one sucked me in, but I started, we've got the second one on the PlayStation also, and I just, I just couldn't get behind it. Yeah. It's fun, but it just didn't bring me in like the first one did. It doesn't have that uh, serotonin hit uh, or whatever like that you get whenever you just line up like a hundred ghosts behind you. And you hit the pellet, and you just like a machine gun through the through the ghost. Like there's nothing more satisfying on planet Earth than doing that. My body is absolutely riddled with Pac-Man fever. <laughs> Pac-Man yes. fever. Um. Yeah, we got time to do some uh, this month in video game history. Let's go into it. Sure. You 
You mentioned Dig Dug a minute ago. Uh, on April 19th of 1982, it was released by Namco, manufactured by Atari in North America. Funny how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I get... I wonder if oh, after this they're going to do, instead of Pac- when Pac-Man goes away, Pac-Man 99 goes away, I wonder if they'll do Dig Dug 99. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would love I was that. Showing off for, for Pac-Man, they were showing off all the different skins for it. Like there, I, there was a Dig Dug and a I Galaga saw... one, and I think a Tower of Draga. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's so cool. So for Christmas, I got uh, one of those mini arcade one-up cabinets. It's like the the Pac-Man Anniversary Edition or whatever. Yeah, and it nice. actually it actually has Dig Dug on that, and uh-huh. I honestly I like playing it just as much as Pac-Man. Yeah, Dig Dug is so fun. Dig Dug's one of those games I love playing it like in an arcade cabinet, but I don't like playing it like on the Nintendo or any sort of like console. Like I like playing it on a stand up machine. Like I like those controls. I don't know. It just feels better. It fits more with what the game is. Yeah. In April of 1984, Namco releases Gapless, the sequel to Galaga. Gapless. I don't Such a great name. Gapless. <laughs> I thought, uh, the sequel to Galaga was called something. I think we talked about this last year. We're starting to repeat ourselves, I think. Yeah, because it was Galaxian, Galaga, and Gapless. That's what I was thinking, Galaxian. I thought yeah, it was Galaxian, we've, yeah. We've talked about all three of them, I think. Yeah. I Gapless love sounds like the name of a Disney villain. The Galaga machine they have <laughs> at our local arcade at uh, Margaritaville. Have you played that, Tyler? The, um, the giant yeah. Galaga machine? Yeah, that, and we've played the giant Space Invaders and yeah. all that. My, my wife and I, for our anniversary two years ago, my wife and I went to Margaritaville and got some some pictures done. And so we've got pictures of us playing, all of those playing Galaga, playing the giant Pac-Man and the giant giant Space Invaders. And... Yeah. I love that giant Space Invaders machine. They're also, like the giant machines. I like playing the the world's largest Pac-Man machine. Like, that thing's so cool. Love it. And and they have a, a Star Wars pod in there, too, which is awesome. Oh, nice. That's fun, but I am terrible at that. Yeah, it's hard. It's way harder than you think it would be. Uh, let's see. April 1988, another Namco release. They released Assault, which may be the first game to use hardware rotation of sprites in the background. Yep, we talked about this last year because I remember us talking about that. Yeah, I recognize the uh, the arcade screenshot. Yeah, looks like a cool game. Kind of, it looks like a uh, a souped up version of. Um, oh man, what's the name of that game? The the pack in game for uh, for the Atari twenty six hundred combat. Yeah, yeah, with the tanks. Yeah, it looks like a like a, a modern version of combat, which I would play that. On April 15th of 1995, Midway releases Mortal Kombat 3 in arcades. I feel like 3 gets a little forgotten when it comes to talking about the Mortal Kombat series because yeah. people people love the second one, and of course the original is going to get credit because it was the original. But no one ever really talks about Mortal Kombat 3, but I personally haven't played it uh, in quite some time. 
Yeah, especially because it gets outshined by the ultimate Mortal Kombat three. Yeah, yeah. I still, I, I just think honestly, I think Mortal Kombat two was still uh, the best. I mean, maybe not now. I haven't played any of the recent Mortal Kombat. The last one I played was uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC, where you could play like Green Lantern yep. and Aquaman, which. Honestly, Aquaman was kick ass in that game. Like he was one of the best characters you could use in that game. I that was like a lot of fun to play. I played. I haven't played the most recent one, but one that came out. I want to say it might have been late two thousands or early twenty tens uh, for the Xbox three hundred and sixty. I played that one, but that was the last yeah, one I played. That's the last one I played as well. That was technically it was just called Mortal Kombat, but it was Mortal Kombat nine. Yeah. yeah. And it was a fun game. Yeah. I just got, I literally, I, I got to Shao Kahn right at the end. And after about 40 losses, I was like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done here. Shut it off and never went back to it. <laughs> As he said, don't make me laugh. Yeah. Mix Master said he loves Baraka. I love Baraka too. That was my go to for uh, Mortal Kombat 2. People hated when I, when I played Baraka. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually really looking forward to the new movie. Me too. Yes. He's, he makes an ice dagger out of the dude's blood and stabs yes. him with it. <laughs> what? Come on, man. How can you not be excited? This is the Mortal Kombat movie we've been waiting for for decades. Yes. My wife, really, she's so excited about this one. She's like, I've never seen the original one. I'm like, all right, we got to find it. And it's not streaming anywhere. And I'm like, all right, I can just got to hunt down a DVD somewhere so we can watch this. Uh, I think you can rent it on Amazon. Isn't that where we rented it? Or did we watch it streaming somewhere? I, I remember getting it on Amazon Prime. I think we did rent it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I have the VHS, too, so, you know. Nice. <laughs> Uh, on April 30th, the 1997 Star Wars X-Wing versus TIE Fighter is released for Microsoft Windows. Man, I loved these games back in the day. I used, I had the, the badass like stick for my, you know, flight stick for my computer. I bought specifically to play the Star Wars X-Wing and, and TIE Fighter games. They were so good. I remember seeing those like giant joysticks that you're talking about that you'd hook up to your computer. I remember those being very prevalent yeah. in, in electronic stores. Like, they were just so massive. You yeah. couldn't miss them. It had like 800 buttons on it. I didn't know what any of them did. Yep. I would just use <laughs> the trigger and you know the tor- torpedo button, basically. Two buttons. You had like three buttons on one side of the stick. Yeah. You had three <laughs> on the other side, and you had two... <laughs> Two at the bottom, yeah. two on the side. Like, what do these do? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just hitting stuff. Which is how it's I play video button, games to this day. They're, they're, a button masher's <laughs> dream. My favorite memory of X-Wing versus TIE Fighter is uh, we went over to a friend of my mom's house, and her kid had a computer, and he had it. And um, we plays the, the, the TIE Advance, because it was the only one with a hyperdrive. And we'd go out, you know, complete the mission, blow up all the rebels, and it's like, all right, return to the Star Destroyer to complete the mission. And we'd turn around and start firing on the Star Destroyer. <laughs> and it would take, like, 15 to 20 minutes of you constantly circling it and shooting it before it would blow up. Well, now you had no way to complete the mission, which is why you had the hyperdrive, because as soon as you press that, you take off, and it automatically ends the mission for you. So that's all we would do, is we would just blow up all the rebels, then turn turncoat and just... <laughs> hyperdrive out that's awesome (laughs) 
Uh, I love that. Uh, let's see. Our last story for this month in video game history. In April of 2000, Nintendo sells its 100 millionth Jeez. Game Boy slash Game Boy Color handheld console. Oof. That's a lot of Game Boys. Yeah, it is. wonder how but many I mean, of them honestly, are still playable. So I went to the flea market on Saturday and I saw one, but it was in really bad condition, so I didn't get it. But I I was looking at it and I was like, I forgot how big these things were. Oh yeah. Like this thing, like you could hurt somebody with that thing. <laughs> I know I still have my original Game Boy somewhere at my mom's house. I have to dig for it. The only game I had for it was Link's Awakening, but you know, that's still like You didn't need much else. Yeah. Uh, Rampage said Mortal Kombat 1995 is on Peacock for free right now. Really? You can can go watch it on Peacock. Heck Mm. yeah. We will do that this weekend then. Yes. Don't bother with part two. Two is terrible. No. (laughs) No, that's a god-awful movie. Feel your animality. What? (laughs) I still want to do a commentary track for that movie. I don't know if I can take it. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, we made it through Double Dragon. That's what I was gonna say. You can make it through Double Dragon. You can make it through anything. Double Dragon was hard enough. Trying to get through Mortal Kombat <laughs> two. Eesh. But Tyler, you can watch Mortal Kombat before WrestleMania this weekend. Technically, yeah. I haven't watched WWE in so long. Like I haven't. Like I still follow. Like my my. Uh... My TV will still record AEW Dynamite every week, but because yeah. our fire sticks, the, the remote's busted, I can't actually go and watch it. So it's I've got months of recordings built up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that that sucks. sucks. Yeah. Betrayed so by I still keep technology. up with it without actually watching it. Yeah, yeah I do pretty much the same. I, I want to watch the Hall of Fame ceremony, and then I'll, I'll, I'll watch WrestleMania, but I haven't been following it nearly like I have been in the last few years. Yeah, I mean... Speaking of which, has anyone grabbed that that Retromania wrestling yet? I haven't got it yet. Not yet. We have to do that because we're going to both review it. We're going to do a dual review of that. I've downloaded it, but I haven't started it yet. I've been playing the the new Crash Bandicoot. I need to follow up with the company, too, because they were supposed to let me know when it was going to be released so I could get a couple of codes to give away. On uh, on the show, so I need to follow back up with them. Uh, I'm excited be- to play it though. Bef- oh yeah, me too. Especially if we can play it online and and play each other. That's gonna be so cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll try not to turn heel on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we go into the review for tonight, Derek has shout outs. Yes, as always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at Patreon.com/slash NerdCaveRetro. We want to shout out Armes Jackson. Xblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, our guest tonight, Mr. Tyler Watson, Justin Olson, Brandon Rutledge, Donner Party of Five, Gus and Penny, and Jason May. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And because you've kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks like our most recent where we did an episode of the real ghostbusters and the muppet show that was fun so yeah i i enjoyed especially going back and watching the muppet show because i haven't watched the muppet show in a long time i love the muppet show so much yeah i I just i just need a show 
uh, about um oh, what's the two guys that sit up in the uh Statler and Waldorf. Statler, Statler and Waldorf. Waldorf. I just need a show about them. Just those two, just like a Beavis and Butthead style show of them just like watching they could just like watch you like TikTok videos and YouTube videos and just make fun of people. And I would watch that for half an hour. Those two are my spirit animal. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're going to be talking about. Journey to Silius, known in Japan as Rough World. Don't know what that means. Rough World. <laughs> That's not... I, I mean, it is a rough world. Yeah, and that is a terrible name for a video game. Uh, it's a side-scrolling run-and-gun video game developed and published by Sunsoft for the NES in 1990. It was originally... And the reason I want to talk about this game uh, is because it was originally based on the Terminator, the, the original Terminator film but the licensing rights to the film were lost during development, so the graphics and storyline were altered to accommodate this change, which, honestly, the storyline didn't get changed all that much. <laughs> it really didn't. I mean, you look at the beginning, it's like, yep, this was a Terminator game. Um, the player controls Jay McCray as he goes on a mission to defeat the terrorist group responsible for his father's death. There are five stages consisting of the ruins of a space colony, an underground concourse, the enemy's hideout, a flying spaceship, and a factory. The player must fight his way through an assortment of robotic enemies and security systems in order to reach the end of the stage and fight the stage's boss. Um, it's called a run-and-gun video game, but it's not really. Um, the, the thing about this game is it's more of a platformer. Uh, and it's definitely the kind of game that's based on memorization and your skill level. Like the better you get at the game, the fur the the better you're gonna be. It's not. It's a frustrating game, but it's not so frustrating that it makes you want to stop playing. Um, it's definitely one of those games where you know you're going through, and it's definitely a sh uh, a shooter, but. Um, it has more platforming aspects to it, so you've got to kind of, you know, as you go through the stage and you keep dying, but you're kind of like, okay, well, I know what to do next time I get to the spot, so if I jump here, I know that this thing's going to pop out of the ground and I have to jump and then squat and shoot it, or it's going to knock me off the ledge, that type of thing, where it's kind of like, it's like I said, it's more about memorization as you go through the levels. And um, like I said, the story... Uh, you know, you get a, a huge kind of, not a huge, but you get a bit of a, a cut scene at the beginning telling you about, you know, the world's been destroyed and all this stuff. And you look at the backgrounds and you can definitely, definitely tell that this was once a nin uh, If you play this game thinking that, okay, this is a Terminator game, it's kind of cool, actually. Like, I think this game, if it would have... And this game is available on the Switch on the NES on the NES store. Um, you know, it's one of the games that's available for the uh, the NES on the Switch. And I think this is one of those games that's kind of a lot of people know about it, but it's one of those games that I think if it had retained the the Terminator license, I think it would be 
a very well-remembered licensed game, honestly. I think if this had retained the Terminator license, this would probably be the best licensed game of the NES era. That's funny enough, that's actually what I was thinking about, too, because I, I was looking at a few of the screen caps, and by the backgrounds, you can definitely tell the influence yeah. of, of the Terminator. So it would have been interesting had it kept the Terminator license, and would it be more remembered? Like, it would it be revered as one of the best film adaptations of video games ever made? Yeah. Or definitely for that time. Have you ever played it? Tyler, have you ever played this game? Yeah, I've got a copy of it here. I got it as part of that actually that big um the big uh yard sale find I mentioned earlier. I've got the the game and the manual. I've played through the first stage or two of it. Really fun. Real fun, real good. Yeah. And like I said, you can definitely see that they didn't change a whole lot instead of the you know, the Terminator, it's the the Toyminator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like and that's it's so weird. I, I and there's really not much you can find as far as uh, what happened and why they lost the license. And I, I don't really understand why because I I think if who owned the rights to the Terminator was it uh, wasn't Universal was it was but it was yeah it was originally owned by what was it called uh, Calico Films or whatever or something like that. But or if it even if it was Universal that had the rights by this time, they were working on Terminator Two at the time, and I think if you know whoever had the rights would have seen this, would have been like, yeah, this is a good game to release along with, the, you know, the upcoming Terminator, Terminator Two, which was coming out. Like, uh, this came out in North America in September. Terminator Two came out the next summer, like yep. you know, not even a full year later. So I think if this had the Terminator license and with the hype surrounding Terminator 2 at this time, dude, it, this would have went through the roof, I think. They could have just gotten outbid for the license because I think there's a, there is a, just an actual Terminator game on the NES. And then not long after this, there was one for the Sega CD. Yeah, well, it was by LJN and it's awful. It's terrible. That's As are most so things with bad. that dreaded rainbow label. Yeah, that's actually it's it's a warning label, is what the LJN label is. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot Can't of play, fun never had to playing this that. game. I have it. It's like I said, it's really hard, um, and it is definitely worth your time to play. Uh, I'm only on level four. I haven't finished the game yet, but it's taken me a while to get to level four. But I just love the look of the game. It's a it's such a polished game, and there's really nothing that's like game breaking about it. Like there's no glitches or anything like that. It's a very well made game. the The music is great. It's one of the best. I think should be up there as one of the best NES games that you can get for the system. Like I think if you are a beginning a beginning collector or somebody that's been collecting. This should be in the library because this is going to be one of those games that's absolutely playable. You know, here we are 31 years later, and this game still rocks. Like, it's fun to play. Music's great. I mean, I don't, I don't see why this lost the Terminator license, but this is up there as one of the, the best-looking NES games, I think. Best-sounding. I mean, it's great. 
Yeah, from the gameplay I watched, it, it looks like a lot of fun. Like you said, the music was really good. It, it just looks like an overall good game, and it's you know, one that I didn't really know about, unfortunately, because my, my playing of the NES, as I've mentioned on the show before, is a little limited, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, this was definitely one of the games that I'd always heard about, but never played when I was younger. And uh, there was always that legend that it was, you know, it, you, it was supposed to be a Terminator game and all this kind of stuff. But I honestly didn't play it until it hit the Switch. Um, you know, it was one of the first games they released, I think, um, for the NES on the Switch. And it's great. I Honestly, I don't like pl- trying to play the original 8-bit games on Switch as a handheld is kind of rough. I think because the D-pad is just it's not great unless you have the portable unless you have the portable switch with a proper D-pad. So if you're going to play it on the Switch, I would say get yourself a, a good uh good controller, maybe an 8-bit do controller or something with a good D-pad on it to be able to play the game uh and enjoy it because it's kind of rough to play it in handheld mode without a proper D-pad. Crazy how some of those games work out like that on the Switch. But I like it. Honestly, it's not a perfect game, but but I think it probably deserves about at least, I give it a good 7.5 out of 10. It's not a perfect game. You know, it's probably a little too frustrating for some people, but if you like a good challenge, like if you're into good side-scrolling platformer shooter-type games, it's it's great. And like I said, this deserves to be in the collection. Whether No matter what size your NES collection, this is one of those games that needs to be in it because it was sadly overlooked. And it shouldn't have been. This this should be one of those games that people talk about, you know, for like as far as like this game should be one of those like, oh yeah, I played Journey to Silius. That was a great game. It should be up there with those type of games, but it's, it's kind of not, it's one of those games that had that legend about it, that it had the Terminator license, but it's not a Terminator game. And I think a lot of people just didn't just kind of passed it up because back then licensed games were crap. I do have to ask this. And I think this is what all the listeners are wondering. Was it good enough that it washed the taste of Yo Noid out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I I I I could have played anything. I could have played Fester's Quest, and it would have gotten the taste of Yo Noid out of my mouth. <laughs> That's so crazy to hear you say that. I honestly don't know which is where. I probably because I haven't played Fester's Quest since. I reviewed it in what was that 2016 when I reviewed it 16 or 17. So maybe yeah. the, you know, the half a decade has washed some of the awfulness off of me and yo Noid is such a new awfulness that it kind of overpowered the old awfulness. So I'd have to do a side by side comparison, which one is worse, but I don't want to do that. And I'm never going to. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a great idea for a YouTube video. Yeah, I don't want to do that, though. Well, you know, when you got one stinker next to one stinker, everything comes out smelling bad. Exactly. <laughs> I like that quote. Yeah, Mixmaster said he needs to mix some Journey 
Tassilius uh, if he comes on, which Mixmaster has done some mixes uh, for us before, and he hasn't mixed anything lately. You need to do some, need to do some mix, live up to your name, Mixmaster. Make some mixes, and I'll play on the show. Oh, he beat Fester's Quest not too long ago. I don't know how. That's <laughs> how could you? <laughs> what sort of demon pack did you make? Who did you anger? Like, did you have to like play it to save like a, a kidnapped child or something? Like, that's the only way I would play and defeat that game is if like one of my friends' lives were in danger. <laughs> like, they sent me a video and Derek's like tied up in a basement. And, you know, he's, like, all beat up and stuff. And they're like, you have to beat Fester's quest or we're going to kill this man. I would beat it then. Or at least try. <laughs> I'm too flattered to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that maybe that was a bad comparison. But you know what I'm no, saying? <laughs> no, I, I got you. No, that was good. I liked it. The only way I would play that stupid game ever again. But, yes, Journey to Silius. It was a great game. I highly recommend it if you haven't played it. If you got the Switch, you got the uh, Switch Online, go play it on the NES uh, on the Switch. If you find a copy of it out in the wild, definitely pick it up if you have an, uh, an old Nintendo. Highly, highly recommended. This is this is definitely up there in the top tier of NES games to own. Fantastic. So, Derek, what are we doing next week? So I will be reviewing, I actually be doing a rare review. Uh, I rarely talk about NES games on the show, but I will be reviewing Fire and Ice, which is also available on the Nintendo Switch online store. So been having fun playing that over the last couple of weeks. So that's what I'll be talking about. Fantastic. So Tyler, thank you for coming on the show tonight. And uh, for our community spotlight, you're you're definitely... Uh, a huge presence in in our Discord community, and we love having you. And uh, the fact that you are the fact checker to the fact checker just warms my heart. Because even Wally <laughs> needs to be fact checked every once in a while. I'll never forget who actually won that uh, that trivia contest between the between the the, the four of us. <laughs> you won, didn't you? Yeah, and it was just you. Yeah, that... Weren't you on your own team? That was no. That was when uh, Rutledge had a had a thing with all of us together. Oh, here. that's right. Yeah, we did it online. Yeah. But yeah, no, no. The the one at the Kraken. That was me and Wally teamed up together. No yeah. one stood a chance. Yeah, you got. I was carrying my team. My back was hurting by the end of that night, and you guys were like, hey, hey, we beat you. I'm like, yeah, there's two of you. <laughs> I did it pretty truly good. Wasn't fair for anyone. I did pretty good for for having a team of like eight people that knew nothing about video games. So I was the only one answering questions. And I came in second place. So, there. <laughs> Can't beat that. But yeah, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Brandon Rutledge still has that on his uh, YouTube page. I have to go look at that, um, see that trivia game that we did, because you wiped the floor with us that night. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I mean, regardless of me winning or not, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, trivia is great. Oh, I, I love it. it. But yeah, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll, yeah, see you, we'll see you in the Discord. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. It's oh, been yeah. a real, real pleasure. So, Derek, um, the pleasure's what's going all on? on? What's going on with the uh, the Derek Diamond experience? 
So I had a fun show this week because I, you guys have both seen Godzilla versus Kong, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. So I talk about that uh, at length at the beginning of the show, and I also chat with uh, two filmmakers, Christopher Soren Kelly and Jessica Graham, about their sci-fi film, The Tangle. Which, uh, if you guys are fans of Memento or you've watched it before, it has a little bit of Memento vibes, but. It, it's a it's a cool sci-fi film that I believe is out now on Amazon Prime that I would uh, recommend checking out. So they joined the show to talk about that. And if you want to hear me uh, praise Godzilla vs. Kong and crap on the haters of the movie, check out this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. I loved that movie so much. I want to watch it again. I know. Like, uh, right yes. Now. Uh, it's, it's better than it had any right to be. Giant monsters and ridiculous sci- nonsense science, like just <laughs> like it makes no sense whatsoever. But it's such a glorious, it's it's glorious stupidity is what it is, and I loved every second of it. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. It's so much fun. And I love I- the movie. I'm trying to finish the Snyder Cut. I'm two hours in. I made it through two hours last weekend. I'll be honest. The slow motion is beyond my capacity to to tolerate. I'm sorry. It's so much slow motion. I can't deal with it. I don't know if I can finish it. I want to say that at least 10% of that movie is in slow motion. Like, it's actually been documented that at least 10% of it is in slow motion. It's got to be more than that. That's insane. It has to be. It's got to be at least... It's a four-hour movie. At least an hour of it. At least an hour has to be slow motion. And I I can't take it. Like, it just got to the point where I was like, there's only so much slow motion... And sad music I can take. I am a emotionally fragile human being. <laughs> I am affected uh, by the the things I watch uh, because you know I've I've been diagnosed. I was diagnosed twelve years ago with depression and anxiety issues, and the things I watch, uh, you know, affect me mentally. And it, there's only so much slow motion and sad. Sad music I can take in 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 one sit down period, and I just couldn't take it after a while. I was like, I got to stop this. Couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody, but I I still liked it much more than the original. the The original was just so it was trash. Yeah, I mean, absolute I'm, trash. I'm gonna finish it, but man, what a slog that movie is. Four hours is, it's a bit much. It's too, if you're going to give me four hours of something, give me the four-hour John Carpenter cut of Big Trouble in Little China. Then I'll sit for four hours and watch a movie. I wonder if this is going to start a trend of like director's oh, cuts coming out. you know out. it is. Yeah. You know it is. We're going to get the four-hour you know, cut of Ted 2. It's, it's coming. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> Brian Singer is going to petition the five-hour cut of Superman Returns. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> Let's get that Peter Jackson uh, Return of the King extended cut director's cut. Yeah, with an additional twenty endings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
block out eight days to watch Lord of the Rings, ex- super extended Peter Jackson cut. It's ridiculous. That just gives me a headache I, thinking about it. I got my ex-wife for Christmas one year, the uh, the Blu-ray, um, the director's cut. Oh my God, those movies are so long. I thought the theatrical cuts were long. Holy crap. Well, and the box is like this thick. Yeah. Yeah. You know you're it, in it, for it a long It is a whole weekend. weekend's worth of watching. When you have yeah. multiple Blu-rays, Blu-ray discs for a movie... You know you're in for a a, a haul. Because Blu-rays hold a lot of information. Yeah, they do. Pack a lunch. I'll just take my theatrical cuts, please. But that's that's going to do it for this show. Um, go check out the Open Micers podcast. We just recorded our follow-up episode with uh, Compton Smith earlier tonight, and he talked about the time that he got um, the essence of his manhood in Jacob's face because he wears a kilt. So if you want to hear that story, go check out at open micers on Twitter and open micers podcast on Facebook. <laughs> and I can tell by your face, Derek, you're going to check out that episode. Yep. And Compton is now, not only is he a great comedian, but he's a hemp farmer. And I had a lot of questions about, uh, growing hemp because I'm an idiot when it comes to botany. And so it's a pretty interesting show. So go check it out. And Fantastic! I think that's it for this week. Anything else before we leave tonight? Nope. All good here. All right. Let's yep. get out of here. If you'd like to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic at Derek underscore diamond and at, how do you pronounce that, Tyler, at Dymo? <laughs> Dimo, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. Uh, you have to forgive me because I made it when I was a teenager, really edge lord and really weeby. I'll put it in the the show notes. Dimo, nineteen eighty five. There we go. Go buy our shirts and stuff over at ncrmerch.com. That helps support the show. We're at Facebook, facebook.com slash retro. Also on Patreon at patreon.com slash retro. If you can't do that, can't give us a couple bucks can't buy our t-shirts go leave us a review it's free wherever fine podcasts are sold so Derek tell them what it's all about wow oh, a fellow chucker eh you blow it